Hey guys, before we get started, today's podcast is privately sponsored by a friend of mine who sent me the donation with a note that said, just keep doing what you're doing. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to keep doing what we're doing, which is providing hope and help for those of you with trauma and PTSD, diagnosed or not, and those of you who love us. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, either privately or have a business that could benefit from our listenership, please reach out to me. It is people like you that will help this mission keep going. And now for today's show. In her 2020 song, My Weapon, Natalie Grant beautifully sings about the presence of God being her weapon. I believe it, guys. I believe it with my whole heart. The presence of God is a weapon, and this is demonstrated all throughout the Gospels. Here's one of my favorite lyrics from the chorus. Your presence is my greatest weapon, pushing back the darkness, breaking every chain. My worship opens up the heavens, crushing every stronghold, when I speak your name, because your presence is my weapon. In Mark's gospel, Jesus repeatedly lives in community with people who appear to be mentally ill. To name a few, the man in the synagogue that was possessed by a demon, we see that in Mark one twenty one through 28. The Gerasene demonic, we see that in Mark 5, 1-20. And Bartimaeus, who was literally screaming at Jesus on the side of the road, we see that in Mark 10, 46-52. We can imagine Jesus interacting with other people, including the apostles, who may have been suffering from depression, anxiety, PTSD, and all of their friends. In each of the cases, though, we see Jesus, and we see how he responds to them and how he treats them with dignity. He refreshes their souls. He simply provides his presence first, and then whatever else they need. No name it, claim it stuff from Jesus. Lifeway Christian recently conducted a poll that demonstrated that almost half of evangelical Christians believe that they can overcome their mental illness with Bible study and prayer alone. I am so excited when God chooses to deliver a person from depression and its friends But we all know it doesn't always work out that way, that healing may not always be on this side of heaven. I was at church the other day, and as a woman was being baptized, she declared her depression gone. And part of me cringed because I knew that there were people whose internal dialogue told them. But that didn't happen for you. As I stood there, my internal voice was probably the loudest. Just a few months ago, a pastor, author, and mental health advocate, Steve Austin, who championed mental health being highlighted in the church, completed suicide. I didn't know him, but it set in motion thoughts of, we have got to do better, repeated over and over in my mind. I thought about how we get it wrong. This is not a podcast to chastise anybody, rather to exhort a community of people who are either hurting or live among those of us who are. I want to exhort you to use scripture responsibly, understanding that there is an enemy out there who is the greatest of all times at using scripture against us, as we see in the temptation of Jesus in all four Gospels. Buckle up, guys. We worked hard on this episode, and know that I am speaking to you, community, those of you who do life with others like me. This is Wednesdays with Watson Podcast, PTSD, Jesus and You, Weaponizing. The gospel. 
Did the title get your attention? Good, because if you click play, you are my people. Before we get too far into the podcast, I want to encourage you to do something so that we can continue this conversation on Instagram for the next 10 days. While you're listening, open your app and click on the first link you see. That is my Instagram account. We are going to keep talking about this in short 30-second videos, and I will provide some real-life examples of when the greatest scripture twister of all times has harmed real people. I am looking forward to interaction there as we continue this important conversation. This will especially be advantageous as we move into the season finale, where we begin to dive into faith and trauma. Okay, you guys, you got it? All right, so make sure you're following me there. Before I proceed, though, I want to be very clear that I believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God and that the authority by which I attempt to live my life. We know that the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the purpose of this podcast is not to take away from the authority of the scripture, but rather to attempt to shed some insight on how we often use scripture out of context in an untimely manner, and dare I say, almost use it against those who struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD, and all of its friends. Scripture is a weapon, all right, but it is to be used against the ruler of this world, removing his ability to seek, kill, and destroy us. He will use scripture to destroy us if we let him. And this is why it's so important to be careful about when we use scripture for hurting people. Did you notice I did not say if we use scripture to minister to hurting people? I said when. When I was in the children's home, we traveled almost all year and sang in churches to raise support for the home. During the summertime, it was not unusual for us to have sung eight times in seven days. You can also understand how many sermons I've heard in my day. And for the most part, I am grateful for that experience. But there was one wounding message from the pulpit where Luke 9.62 was preached completely out of context, and the decades that follow were driven by my misunderstanding of this scripture that was taken completely out of context. As the years went by, my understanding of that scripture would be reinforced, and I would also see it on cute little posters on youth room walls, and so I began to take the scripture to heart, especially as it had been preached. I do not remember hearing the entire story of that passage, not one verse before it, not one after it. I just locked in on the not looking back part. The verse says this, No man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That is in Luke 9.62. You see, the preacher man told us not to look back, or we would have not been good enough for the kingdom of God. He didn't preach that verse in context or explain that these red-letter words of Jesus and Luke 9 were meant for those who had excuse after excuse after excuse as to why they could not drop everything and follow Jesus. And so the production monster of Amy Watson commenced at the tender age of 15 or 16. Trauma wasn't done with me just because I was at the children's home, and the years that followed found me not looking back, not looking back, and definitely not seeking help. 
I wanted to be good enough to fit into the kingdom of God. As I look back now with every trauma gut punch and the boxing ring of my life, I kept my hand on that plow. I did not look back. And with each layer of trauma came a distance between God and me. And somewhere along the way, I lost who I was. And by then, I was deeply in the throes of domestic violence marriage. I wondered, I often wondered if God even existed. There were plenty of reasons for my crisis of faith, including my own standoff with God. But that scripture just ruled me. And I didn't even understand that it was doing that. I have paid for this thought process in spades over the years. I kept putting my hand to that plow and not looking back, not getting help, until I couldn't anymore. And that fallout is well documented on this podcast, Season 1, Hospitals and Courtrooms. As I have been processing the completed suicide of Steve Austin, I feel now more than ever that my voice must be among those that begs a community of well-meaning believers to simply proceed with caution with us. As I mentioned, I believe that the Bible was absolute truth. And so as I wrestled with the loss of a mental health advocate and the memory of this scripture creating the performance monster, I knew, I knew I had to get behind this microphone and talk about it. And not like any other episode, I went to the scriptures. Because really, Really, I want you to know the power of the presence of God that is living and active in you. And sometimes, sometimes, guys, in the triage state of helping us, that is what we need. And so I landed on one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, and probably my favorite gospel, the Gospel of John. He wept, guys. Jesus wept. The tears of Jesus are documented in the shortest verse in the Bible, which is John eleven thirty five. Some have different speculations about why Jesus wept. But one thing for certain, Jesus heard both Mary and Martha when they said this, Lord, if you'd have been here, like we asked, our brother would not have died. Jesus did not, let me repeat, he did not throw down more red-letter words at them. Not like he could have. Let that breathe for a second. Instead, he seemingly absorbed the pain of those around him, and he responded like I hope you and I do when there are those among us who are hurting. He joined them in their sorrow as he was either sad that they didn't have the faith in him that he could come and heal Lazarus, or he was simply sad because they were sad. My point is, he didn't throw any number of scriptures or even chastisements at them. He certainly could have. Instead, guys, instead he wept. He got in the trenches with his community, and he wept. Jesus' response to Mary and Martha is a beautiful example for us to follow as we do life with the hurting, the broken, and the bruised. A hundred percent of your community falls into that category at any given time. So as we do life together, what is the responsibility to our tribe? Remember that Natalie Grant song? Certainly Mary and Martha were comforted by the very presence of Jesus 
albeit they would argue a few days too late, four to be exact. And so Mary and Martha had a weapon in the presence of Jesus who got in the trenches and cried with them. And so I ask again, what is our responsibility when we walk with those who are hurting, broken, and bruised? Our responsibility is to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. So often, we want to fix people. And so we use our perceived expertise to help solve a problem instead of jumping in the trenches with hurting people who are sometimes, sometimes in the war of their lives. Because you see, wars need weapons. And so we wield these weapons freely with cute little cliches like God is good all the time, all the time God is good, motivational quotes, and yes, scripture. It is this, you got a problem, I got a Bible verse thought process that harms people and it maligns the very gospel we say we love. Of course there's a problem. And of course there's a Bible verse for every problem. But when doing life in the trenches with trauma victims, often you are the Bible verse. Your life, where the word of God is living and active. You may be the only Bible verse they can handle at their greatest moments of pain. The first chapter of that same Gospel of John talks about how Jesus is the Word and how He was there from the beginning. But that scripture also says that the darkness cannot see the light because it cannot understand it. I think that is often the case with people in pain. The depths of their darkness is so intense that they can't receive scripture. They can't understand it. So we're kind of having a talk here. What do I mean by the weaponization of scripture? Today, it's just my mic, a few hundred friends, and me, so let's chat about it. Let's chat about how, instead of using the Bible as a weapon against our real enemy, we pick and choose verses that have somehow been badly passed down through the ages and at times serves to harm a trauma victim, particularly a PTSD patient. I can't tell you how many times well-meaning people quoted Philippians 4, 6, and 7 to me. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be known unto God. I can't explain the shame I felt before I understood PTSD, depression, and anxiety. I finally took my own deep dive into that verse, and the Greek connotation of that word anxiety is more to meditate or ruminate on something. That is a much different description of what it feels like to have a panic attack or to live in the deepest parts of depression. So then we just throw that particular verse out at people like me and we feel gut-punched by the Holy Bible. Because you see, it was never the cliches or the cute memes or the locker room scripture posters that led me towards healing. Instead, God used people who just did life with me. They were his presence, and that was my weapon. These people did not judge me. I remember a time when I must have taken too much Xanax. That was frequent in the days before the hospital stay. It was the middle of the day. I was texting one friend who called another, and before I knew it, there was a knock at my door, 
and there stood both of them, ready to settle in and watch me until the meds got out of my system. Their response to one of my darkest hours is the reason I am alive and behind this microphone. Just like Jesus could have said one million things to Mary and Martha but chose compassion, so did my friends. Instead of throwing down red-letter words at me, they demonstrated the love of Jesus by their actions, and to this day neither of them have ever spoken of the time they dragged me to a Mexican restaurant while we were waiting for the Xanax to wear off. I already said it. I'm looking at you today, community. We preach it all the time on this podcast. We have encouraged community. But we have never exhorted you or given you something tangible to do when you're doing life with us. So today I'm here to do that. I want to encourage you as you love those among us like me who have suffered or survived or is surviving the fallout from the decisions of another. I have made my position clear that I believe that the whole Bible is absolute truth and is appropriate for every situation. We should use it as such too. It is a gift. It is a good gift. And I am so thankful for it. But just like all gifts, it matters how you deliver it and it matters how you treat it. The good news of the gospel is the only answer. I believe that. But I also stand with those among my trauma trauma tribe as we love a mysterious God who for some reason has allowed us to survive trauma. Delivery of the good news matters and my friends said more with that taco dinner than anything else. They demonstrated the gospel by their actions. They reminded me why I love Jesus because I could see it in them. I'm still talking to you, community. Your involvement with us can't be shallow. We need you in the trenches with us. You will get dirty. You will get hurt. So decide before you dive deep with us if you really want to fight with us. I'll tell you this. When you are constantly in the trenches with somebody, you won't be there long before you have earned the right to begin using scripture because you have remained a steadfast trench mate. This is true of another friend who picked me up for work the day after I totaled my car during the darkest time of my life. It was literally the final straw. I remember it like it was yesterday. She turned on the light in her van on one dark October morning and held up her own copy of Ken Geyer's book, The North Face of God. She simply said, for when you're ready. I was ready, and that book, which is steeped in scripture, changed my life forever and is still one of my favorite books on my bookshelf. I have my own copy and have given away countless copies of it. It is still so often picked up when it gets dark. I know what you're thinking. Hey, I click play on this podcast because the title, Weaponizing the Gospel, what does that even mean? I'm kind of glad you asked. Weaponizing the Gospel is completely opposite of what my friends did. You might also be asking yourself, who weaponizes the gospel? Even though I want to raise my own hand because it is, it really is easier to send someone a quick text with a Bible verse or a card. We don't get dirty that way. But the reality is I don't have the power to weaponize the scripture against people, neither do you. But there is one 
that is the greatest of all time of using scripture against us. And he has been given dominion over this earth. And using scripture against us, like the anxiety verse that I stated earlier, is not new to Satan. As we read in the Gospels and the Temptation of Christ, what did Satan use? You guessed it, scripture. So I'm looking at you again, community. Let me encourage you that as you compassionately begin to use scripture, make sure you're using it in context. Don't cause a cautionary tale that I explained. Living decades of my life thinking I couldn't get help or even revisit the past trauma or I wouldn't be good enough for God. Remember that darkness. Remember, guys, remember it can't understand the light. So be patient when you utilize scripture to help us. And finally, finally, remember that scripture is living and active in you, as I've mentioned so many times already. And as you do life with us, you're ushering in that presence of Jesus. The star of the story. Just like that song, his presence is our greatest weapon. And so many of you can be the person that ushers in hurting people to Jesus. We just have to be responsible with the greatest gift of all time, the absolute truth, the authority by which I live. So what am I saying? I'm begging, I am begging those of you who love people like me to remember that compassion leads the way. Living in the trenches with us gives you the right to bring scripture and God into our pain. And we will receive it because you have demonstrated your desire for us to get better just by your steadfast role as a trench mate. Also, remember the way you deliver the gospel matters. It doesn't look like cute memes and name it, claim it Bible verses. Finally, we need to remember the power of our words when we get on public platforms. And so when we do use scripture, we need to use it properly. I am still tearing down walls, getting back to that little girl who thought that she could never look back, much less ask for help. I am so grateful for my community, and given the proper time, none of them these days are, f- are afraid to throw red-letter words at me. If you are under the sound of my voice and without a community, I urge you to find it somewhere. It only takes one trench mate. And once you're there with us as a light, it divides the darkness, scripture will come alive in us too. It has been my hope that you feel encouraged as a community and that we all realize that the power of the gospel and not ignore the greatest liar of all times who cannot stand against the gospel, but he sure can weaponize it and he often does, sometimes through us without us even knowing it. I went to the streets while writing this episode and I asked a group of people to share with me wounding messages they received from some well-meaning people that all but threw a Bible verse at their problem. There were so many, but about 10 verses were mentioned to me over and over and over. And this is where the conversation will continue on my Instagram account. I will post one verse a day for the next 10 days, and those posts will be in the highlight portion of my Instagram for those of you listening to this later. You will learn how oft-missed Bible verses are wounding to those of us living with trauma. And for that matter, some of you who aren't. So make sure you're following us there. And I can't wait to dialogue with you as we 
post daily for the next 10 days on Instagram. Guys, the word of God is divisive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Use it responsibly. Lead with compassion. Don't let the best news ever get twisted and then never reach the hearts of people that need it the most. Do life with people and then they will want your Jesus, your greatest weapon. As Phil's song plays us out of the podcast, I want to encourage you today to think about those who are living in darkness. Pray. Pray about jumping in the trenches with someone. Get ready to get dirty. Get ready to cry. Get ready to get your heart broken. But be marked by Jesus, the star of the story, the only one who can turn unimaginable pain into something beautiful. You may be the first Bible verse somebody believes. As for me, we're back here in two weeks for the season finale as we are leading to addressing trauma in the church. I'm excited to bring guest Tiffany Countryman to the show. Trauma, abuse, and the church is a place we will park the first part of next season, and Tiffany will usher us into that beautifully. So I'll see you back here two weeks here in the healing zone. And you know what I'm going to say. You matter, and you are seen, known, loved, heard, and valued. Don't forget that today, guys. Let my life glorify you and teach me to walk beside